Well, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to continue in our study that we've been on for several weeks now in the full armor of God. And as we continue to look at this and uh, looking at the full armor of God, we recognize what it is and uh, we recognize what each individual item is. This uh, morning we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse uh, uh, 15. And so uh, as we look at that and continue to break this down, uh, to each individual part and understand what it is and the purpose of all of these things. We look here at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 and it says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And having shod your feet uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So as we look at that and begin to think about that, well, what in the world is that, right? Uh, what does it mean to shod your feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace? And so as we look at that and we think of the, about that, it, it's shoes, right? And you say, well, you know, a lot of us, we don't really think about shoes. Now, my mom, my mom grew up really poor and she tells us, you know, they, they didn't have uh, shoes in the summertime and the shoes, she was the youngest of nine children and so uh, what she usually had was uh, uh, was the hand-me-downs from the older children and they were usually pretty well wore out uh, by the time they made it to her direction and so as uh, you look at that you, you begin to recognize and understand that uh, shoes are important, amen? The shoes are very important and so we take shoes in our day for granted. Uh, today we have a shoe for everything, right? We, we have shoes for all occasions, uh, if you will. We have dress shoes, we have leisure shoes, we have work shoes, we have house shoes, we have uh, dance shoes. My wife found my granddaughter the other day, found her some tap dancing shoes. And boy, she just thought she was uh, uh, the, the light of the world. She put those tap dancing shoes on and we knew everywhere she went when she had those tap dancing shoes. And I also found out through my granddaughter's there's princess shoes, right? So we have princess shoes uh, as well. And don't forget about my grandsons that love their boots, right? And so uh, uh, that, that is an inherited trait. So as we begin to think about that, uh, you know, you have running shoes, you have swimming shoes. I, I remember first church, a pastor is a creek directly behind uh, the church, and I'm not going to lie to you. I am used to wearing shoes, and I have tender feet. You can pick, up, pick on me about that if you want, but it was a rocky uh, creek bed, and so I had to go out and buy some swimming shoes to go out there and walk in the, on that creek bed, and so uh, uh, I enjoyed those swimming shoes, and we enjoyed uh, that creek as well. And, the, and, and when it comes to athletics, every form of athletics, there's some type of shoe that goes along with that. For instance, you know, think about a tennis player. You look at a tennis player, if they're playing on a grass court, they have shoes specific for that grass court. If they're playing on a clay court, they have shoes specific for that clay court. And whatever type of, uh, 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 of sole that they're playing on, that is a specific type of shoes that they're going to use. And so believe it or not, there was a day and age when I was younger and I used to skateboard. And you know what I had to have? I had to have my skateboarding shoes. Amen. So there, there's shoes for every occasion when we look at our society in which we live at today. But when we look at these shoes, we understand these are the shoes of a soldier. These are soldiers 
shoes and soldiers shoes are extraordinarily important and so when we look at the shoes of a soldier a soldier who is walking everywhere he went and walked on different terrain uh, those shoes were extraordinarily important those shoes the shoes of a soldier could literally mean life or death so when you begin to think about how important the shoes of a soldier is if those shoes fail or if those shoes begin to hurt their feet in any kind of way and those shoes begin to be a problem or a hindrance to them for a soldier those shoes literally mean life or death but when we're looking at this text of scripture right here when we're looking uh, at uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace we're looking at a very specific type of shoe for a very specific type of soldier we begin to understand uh, that these were not the shoes for a distinguished officer. These are not the shoes for somebody that is making the commands and making the decision. No, these were the type of shoes that the frontline soldier would have had to stand in the front line, to stand in the heat of the battle, to hold their position to where they were not going to be forced upon and they were not going to be moved. And as we already looked in this text of Scripture three times, the Apostle Paul says stand firm. Amen. And so that's exactly what these shoes were intended to do to where they could get in the very front line and they could plant their feet down and they were absolutely going to be able to stand firm. They were not going to be moved. They were not going to be budged whatsoever. So when we begin to look at these shoes, they were standing Firm. Understand also something here when we begin to look at this. We look at that in the eyes of a soldier. When we look at the, this through the spiritual eyes of a Christian soldier, understand that the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, he said, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And so, uh, you know, I, I wrote a book on uh, that title right there. How beautiful are the feet on why we need to do evangelism, why we need to be evangelistic and so that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about there in the book of Romans Romans chapter 10 and verse 15 about being evangelistic and those who are evangelistic of course he quoted Isaiah there those who are evangelistic those who bring the good news they are a beautiful feet amen they may be calloused and worn and beaten bloodied and bruised up but if they're bringing the good news guess what they are absolutely beautiful feet but this is is not the feet of an evangelist that we're talking about here. This is the feet of the foot soldier who is holding the front lines. Amen. Who is holding the front line for the protection of the rest of the army. And so as we begin to look at that and begin to break this down uh, and having, sh uh, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of, the, uh, of peace. We look at a few things right here and as we begin uh, to look at these and understand uh, that these shoes were designed with this specific purpose for the frontline uh, soldiers to have their feet shod, what that literally meant is that they were bound. Amen? They were bound. And so, you know, another thing I used to do, so I had skateboard shoes when I was a kid. I used to always, also, as a teenager, I always had flip-flops on. Amen? I always wear, usually I always wear cowboy boots now, but uh, and I wore cowboy boots then, but I always wore flip-flops. I wore flip-flops everywhere I went. 
You don't run in flip-flops, amen? You don't play sports in flip-flops. In fact, you stump your toe a lot in flip-flops. Sometimes you get those flip-flops that you, you blow them out, right? And the, the, the thong just pops right out of there and you, you blow your whole flip-flop out and it's totally ruined. Well, if that happens with a soldier, well, that can mean life and death. So when they shod their feet, what it literally means is they will take a leather strap and they will strap it down starting all the way just below the knee and wrap it down and go all the way down to the shoe and make sure that shoe is absolutely secure. Make sure that shoe isn't going anywhere. Make sure that shoe gives them a firm footing to where they're standing there and they're standing firm. That shoe is not going to fail them. That shoe is not going to blow out like a flip-flop is going to blow out. Amen. It is going to be there and it is going to be absolutely secure. We also begin to understand uh, when the Bible says right here with the preparation, uh, some of the translations say readiness. And so as we look at that, literally what that word means in the original language, it means to make ready. To make ready. That shoe is there and it is for the preparation. It is there for the readiness. It is there to make ready. And so in other words, that shoe is provided for you to where you're going to be in a state of preparedness. You are going to be made ready. So when the battle comes and the enemy is coming against you, you are prepared, you are made ready, and you are standing there in a state of preparedness to where you're not going to be caught off guard because if the enemy comes, and the enemy is on his way and you're sitting there trying to fiddle with your shoes and trying to get your shoes on and trying to shod them and you know, secure them and bind them and all of that. And guess what? You, you, you've already lost. You've already lost the battle. It's too late for you. The enemy is upon you and you're dead. You've lost. Amen? So you need to be in a state of preparedness. And so when we begin to look at that, we shod our feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace and we understand that that is meaning to bind them on there to where they're absolutely secure. And when they're bound on there, we are prepared. We're in that state of readiness. We are ready to go. We are ready to stand firm. And what is it uh, that we're standing firm in? We are standing firm in the gospel of peace. Amen? We're standing firm in the gospel of peace. When the battle starts, we're going to be ready. You know why? Because of the gospel of peace. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Because of His death. Because of His burial. Because of His resurrection. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the fact that as we've already firmly established, as we look here in the Word of God, the other way back there in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might that we're not fighting our battle. We're fighting His battle. We're fighting the battle with Him and with His strength and with His might through His power and it's because of the gospel of peace. Now, apart from the gospel, we will be fighting our own battles. We will be fighting our own wars. We will try to have to stand firm in our own strength and guess what? We will fail. Amen? And we're not just going to fail sometimes, but we're going to fail every single time. But praise God that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Christ. We are not going to fail because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to stand firm because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are in a state of preparedness if you have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not going to have to worry about it failing. It is not going to fail you. It is not going to blow out. It is not going to lose its strength or its power in any way, shape, or form. You're going to be able to stand firm and stand strong because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we look at that, it is the gospel that shods our feet. Amen. It is the gospel that binds us. It is the gospel that causes us to be secure. You know the good thing about the gospel, and we begin to understand the gospel, we begin to understand that He who began a good work in you will carry it through into completion. Amen. God doesn't stop when He begins a work. In fact, He perfects it. He brings it all the way through. He carries it through to completion. The Apostle Paul was so confident that about the Gospel message of Jesus Christ and what God was doing within his life. I, he said, I am persuaded that He is able to perfect that which I have entrusted into Him. Amen? He was persuaded. He was convinced. There was absolutely no doubt in Him whatsoever because the Gospel isn't about what we're doing. The Gospel is about what God is doing because if the Gospel was about what we're doing, then we would fail not sometimes but every time. But God is Almighty. God is all-powerful. God is infallible in every single way, shape, and form. And so since the Gospel is 100% dependent upon Him and not at all dependent upon us, it is not going to fail. We have been shotted in the gospel. We have been wrapped in the gospel. We are secure in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Friends, it is an everlasting gospel. Amen? And how does God save? He saves to the uttermost. That salvation isn't going anywhere, friend. Because it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Him. We're saved by faith through grace. Friends, we're nothing we could do, no works, no good deeds. Can't be good enough. We've already failed. We've already blown it. Can't be good enough to be saved. And you can't be good enough to stay saved. Amen? but it's a work that God is doing within the life of the individual. That God's doing. Well, we'd be in pitiful shape if it was up to us, wouldn't we? I mean, we would be in absolute pitiful shape if it was left up to us. But praise God it's not up to us. Praise God that it is God who is at work when not ourselves. Praise God that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that when He begins that good work within us, He's going to carry it through until the day of completion. Praise God that when He begins that good work within us, not only will He carry it through until the day of completion. Friends, I want you to understand. He's going to perfect it. Amen? He's going to perfect it. And so when we look at the preparedness, 
Friends, we need to recognize something. It is God who prepares us. It's God who prepares us and not ourselves. When we look in John chapter 16, the book of John chapter 16, there Jesus was teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit, and as Jesus was teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the non-believer and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 5, He said, But now I'm going to Him who sent me, and none of you asks where I'm going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So Jesus said, I'm about to go somewhere. Somewhere you can't yet come. Then He goes on and says, verse 7, He says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send Him to you. So as Jesus saying right there, it's to your advantage. It's to your betterment. It's better for you that I go away. Because when I ascend, guess what? The Helper is going to descend. Who is the Helper? The Helper is the Holy Spirit. And so He continues to go on. In verse 9, He said, uh, verse 8, He said, And when He comes, who is He? He's the Helper. He's the Holy Spirit. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. And so when we look at that, the Holy Spirit convicts who? The Holy Spirit convicts the world. Who is the world? The world is the lost people. What does He convict them of? He convicts them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, He he convicts them of their need of God, that they can't stand alone how, how desperately they need the Lord Jesus Christ within their life. And so as the Holy Spirit convicts the world, the Holy Spirit convicts the lost people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's not where His uh, work stops. His work continues to go on. In verse 12, Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You, you think about this. Jesus said a lot of things to His disciples. Did He not? In fact, He told them that He was going to be delivered over into the hand of godless men, that He was going to be treated very, very badly, that He was going to die, He was going to be buried, and three days later He was going to rise again. And the Bible said they understood none of these things. They didn't get it. Even the things He was saying then, they didn't get Amen. They didn't understand even those simple things. We say, well, look, those are simple things. He's going to be delivered in the hands of godless men. They're going to treat him very, very badly. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. Three days later, he's going to rise again from the dead. He flat out told them those things. They didn't understand any of it. Why? Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit of God within them, teaching them and leading them and guiding them and preparing them. Amen? That's why. So Jesus said, I, I still have a lot more things. You hadn't even understood those things yet, but I still have a lot more things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. You can't handle it right now. But I still have a lot of stuff to teach you in verse 10. And it said, I'm sorry, in verse 12, when he said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth, for He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. Isn't that an awesome thing? That when the Holy Spirit of God comes, He's going to teach you. 
And He's going to lead you, and He's going to guide you, and He's going to disclose to you even the things that are to come. And when do you receive the Holy Spirit, the moment of salvation? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have the Son. Amen? Real simple right there. And so the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit of God within you. The very first thing He does is produce life within you, everlasting life. And once He produces that everlasting life within you, He begins to teach you immediately. He begins to teach you. What does He teach you? He teaches you the things of Jesus. The ways of Jesus. The words of Jesus. The life of Jesus. And He is the binding that binds the Gospel to us. Where that binding is not going to be broke, you're sealed in the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Amen? And praise God for that. And so when we begin to look at that and begin to understand that there it is, that the Holy Spirit is at work within us and He is preparing us, He's teaching us, He's leading us, He's guiding us, and it's through uh, the work of Jesus that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary through the shedding of His blood and of His death and of His burial and His resurrection that, we're, that we have the Holy Spirit available to us to live within us, to lead us, guide us, and teach us. And so there it is, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the the work of the Holy Spirit within the life of a believer, we will stand firm. Amen? We will stand firm. And so as we look at that and begin to understand, we begin to understand that we stand firm because of the Gospel. Now it's an interesting phrase that he says right here, something that we're going to learn in our study in Sunday school. By the way, we're going to learn this in our study in Sunday school. For those who aren't coming to Sunday school, we're going to learn about this in Sunday school, okay? I just wanted to make that abundantly clear. Sunday school starts at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and so we'd sure love to have you come if you're an adult and be within our Sunday school classes. We're learning, uh, looking at the book of Romans. We're going to learn that the gospel has many titles. And here it is, one of those titles is the gospel of peace. And when we begin to look at the gospel of peace and understand what the gospel of peace is, is all about what better look than the book of Romans. We look at the book of Romans because we begin to understand the book of Romans in Romans chapter 5 that, it, it, that we are at enmity at God. We are at odds against God. Why? Because of our sin. Now for those of you who were here last week, we learned real quickly that all of us have sin and all of us are filthy rotten. Amen? And there's not a single one of us that is righteous, not even one of us, none of us are righteous and because of that sin within our life. What does that sin mean? That sin is just, well, we just did some bad things. No, it's, there's a lot more implications than we just did some bad things. Amen. We became at enmity against God. We became enemies of Almighty God. And because of that, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did Christ die for? The ungodly. Goes on to say, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, 
We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled. We shall be saved by His life. So what did our son do? Our sin do? Our sin put us at enmity against God. Our, son, our sin made us enemies against God. It put us at war against God. And I promise you it is a war that if you try to fight on your own, you are absolutely going to lose and you're going to lose miserably. But praise God that He sent us a peace off. When Jesus was born, we have the angels out there and the angels saying, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the Christmas carols have really misunderstood that. Think it's peace between man and man or we think it's peace between country and country or we think it's peace, world peace. No, it's peace between sinful man and holy God. Amen? That's the type of peace that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Praise God because of Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Our own works, where did that get us? At enmity against God. At odds against God. Enemies of a holy God we've become. God sent us the gospel of peace. God sent us the peace offering through His Son, Jesus Christ. And when we receive that peace offering, when we say yes to God, ask God to forgive us of our sin, invite Jesus into our life to be our Lord and to be our Savior, Surrender our life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Friends, I want you to understand we're saved. What I have to do to do all that, just put your faith in Jesus. What does that mean? All of you here today are sitting down, aren't you? Every one of you. What are you sitting on? You're sitting on some chairs. Well, they look like some pretty good sturdy chairs. I mean, they're not flimsy. I've seen some chairs that I said, I'm not sitting in that. <laughs> Amen. But I didn't see a single one of you come up to this chair and kick it, or shake it, maybe put a knee on it, test it out a little bit. What did you do? Yeah, I don't sit anymore. I flop. Amen. I mean, I just flop right down. Kaboom. Some of y'all do too. Amen? And what did you do? You just flopped yourself right down there on that chair and you didn't even think about it. What does it mean to put faith in Jesus? Just fall on Jesus. Just fall on Jesus. Fall into His arms, friend, and I tell you what. more faithful and more true than anything else that you could trust within your life, He will be there. And if you've done that already, He is there. Regardless of the battle, regardless of the fight. 
regardless of how ferocious it might look, when the enemy is coming your way, through Jesus, your feet have been shod in the preparation of the gospel. Shoes of the Roman soldier that was on the front lines, they had nails or spikes stuck out of the bottom of them. Where they could dig in, plant those feet, and they're not going to be moved. Amen? I like to wear boots, but they can get kind of slippery sometimes. Sometimes I'll go into an area with floors a little bit wet, and I feel like I'm ice skating. When you already have bad balance, that doesn't make a good combination, does it? But if I had some shoes on that I could just dig into that ground and know that I'm not going to be moved. Amen? So are you fighting the heat of the battle today? Are you right in the midst of it? Is the enemy coming your way? Is that roaring lion that is roaming to seeking whom he may devour? Has he fixed his focus upon you? Is he coming after you? Well, guess what? The cross of Calvary pulled his teeth out. All he can do is make a whole bunch of noise. Amen? Because you have been firmly rooted in the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right now as our praise team makes their way this direction, we've been also, we're just finished. There's something else when you miss Sunday school. We just finished a study through the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount this way. Whoever, I'm going to paraphrase it. Whoever takes heed to the words of mine is like the wise man who's built his house on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus is the rock. Whoever doesn't take heed to these words of mine is like the fool who's built his house on the sand. The wind and the rain and the storms come and it gets washed away. Very easily, I might add. But if you're standing on the rock, nothing's going to wash that foundation out from underneath you. Nothing whatsoever. The devil in the world might be making a whole lot of racket and a whole lot of roaring going on. But your foundation is secure. Amen? But you better know that you know that you know you're standing on the rock. That your foundation is Jesus. Basically, you have no foundation if your foundation is not Jesus. And anything and everything will come and knock your feet right out from underneath you. And it's not just physical life and death we're talking about. It's eternal life and death we're talking about. So friends, today, right here, right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you come? Come today. Come receive Christ as your Savior. Say, well, I don't know exactly what to do. 
I'll be happy to tell you what you need to do. I'll be happy to lead you and guide you and counsel you. We don't sell it right now. We'll continue to talk later. Amen. But you come right now as everybody stand. As God leads, stirs in your heart. If you're facing the battle, friend, would you come? I'd be happy to pray with you as well. Be more than happy to pray with you. This altar's open. You can make a chair, chair your altar. You come before an almighty God. Friends, He's there for you. Not just that He will be there for you, He's already there for you. Amen? You come.